0: Welcome to this CSJ podcast, the INFJ Coffee House. I'm your host, uh, Jay, Coach Jay. Um, getting started this morning, uh, you know, uh, we thought about using Quora. Uh, the question on Quora today
1: from uh, Brianna What's the personality of a person who is an ENFJ
0: 4W5? Dash four seven eight SX SP, Choleric Sanguine
1: SLOEI. I have no idea, and I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, to, uh, it's not that difficult. You know, perceiving, judging—it's not that difficult. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to come across a Quora
0: uh, question that that's going to invigorate me, excite me, and I do. Don't get me wrong; just not today. <laughs> um, I can't do it. I just can't do that. You know, you you, uh, you have your type. You settle on it. Sure, we want to get it right. We spend so much time thinking about type people take tests over and over and over question their type. It's like, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. Find
1: your type, settle on it. That's the foundation build from there. That's what it's all about. So, um, I started listening to some Tori Amos. Okay. Tori Amos. I love Tori
0: Amos. Uh, she's an INFP. She's an idealist. Uh, she's classically trained musician, uh, was accepted on fuller, full scholarship into the Peabody Institute of John Hopkins at the age of five. Okay. Uh,
1: and her music, her lyrics, which she writes herself. Um, based on sexuality politics religion um very meaningful who doesn't
0: what infj doesn't love that um seriously uh in particular i'm listening to uh the the song i've been playing a little bit too much this morning is winter a lot of you may be familiar with it and you know just uh reading some lyrics does not in any way do it justice. But um, it really is, as I was listening to it, it really is, it's well, it's obviously uh, a, um, a father talking to his daughter. But it's also at least in my view, and I'm granted, I'm a little bit
1: biased, but I think it's an it's an ENTP talking to an INFJ pedagog relationship. So the lyrics, uh, when are you going to make up your
0: mind? When are you going to love you as much as I do? Because um, things are going to change so fast. All the white horses are still in bed. I mean, that's some powerful stuff if you think about it. Uh, very abstract, but very
1: powerful. Uh, So check it out, Winter by Tori Amos. Um, But it is about change. That's
0: why I mentioned this particular tune. I wanted to talk about change a little bit. There's a lot of
1: uh, changes in the air. Uh, Change is um, what is constant. And... uh, you know we we uh, it's in our politics, it's in our culture, it's in our um,
0: pop culture, it's in even in our religion. And uh, you know we we as I've said in the past, we uh, in prior lectures, we judge um, we judge previous generations by the standards of our own. And I think you know you could say that's the definition of woke right there, at least uh, in its
1: in its current uh, how it's currently defined, not as it was originally defined. But yeah, woke being woke to me is a sign of
0: um, well, it's the epitome of ignorance
1: and selfishness. I mean, it's it's. Elitism. Uh, So I wanted to talk about Chesterton's fence as a concept.
0: So Chesterton's fence, Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton, um, philosopher, uh, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, maybe not as well known as some of his contemporaries, uh, at least for me i was not as aware of him as uh, some others but uh um the chesterton's fence so the point about chesterton's fence what you know his point is you look at any kind of an institution or system and he described it as a uh, he just said well let's just say it's a fence okay um
1: when it comes to making change or reform you know people take a look at the fence right and they say why is this fence here we don't need it let's rip it out um so chester gk chesterton's point is well okay
0: you don't see the point so you think let's rip it out because it serves no purpose but uh which first order thinking um by the way but he says do you not ask yourself why the fence was put there in the first place um or do you just think that the people who put the put the fence there originally were just bumbling fools and uh didn't know what they were doing and just saw a spot and said oh let's put a fence there for no reason is that how you think or do you take the time and the effort because it requires both to go back and try to understand why was the fence put
1: there under what circumstances was the fence put there uh do i fully understand or do you fully understand? uh
0: all the ramifications of removing the fence now you you see maybe some immediate circumstances or you may see some immediate results or consequences that you want to achieve by removing the fence
1: by reforming the institution um but do you see all of the consequences have you take the time to study out uh, all the potentialities um <clears throat> so i'm reminded you
0: know i'm reminded of a trip i took several years ago to ireland uh and i love ireland it's beautiful um my ancestors are irish and uh as you go through the country roads in ireland um the roads tend to be very narrow little bigger maybe than single lane but not much bigger and on all sides are surrounded by stone um well we could call them fences they're essentially stone walls uh stones stacked on
1: top of each other maybe knee high um that keep uh sheep uh, penned in or farmland, farmland, uh, you know, um,
0: uh, divided by different owners, whatnot. It, it, it's quite common, and so someone uh, could, would come up and say, "You know, these stones are heavy. They're you know not very. They're not very efficient. Why don't we just put in wood fences?"
1: Well, if you've been to Ireland, the weather can be pretty rough. And uh, not only
0: is there a lack of wood generally as compared to say here in the deep South, uh, but it's going to deteriorate much quickly. So stone makes a lot of sense with the pounding winds off the ocean um, uh, and the rain,
1: you know, stone makes, so the point is, stone is up there for a reason just because
0: where you're from your centric perspective is uh comes from a different point of view doesn't mean you're right and if you haven't taken the time to understand why the stone walls are up there instead of wood fencing then you're going to get a lot of unintended consequences and that's the point of Chesterton's fence so essentially you know don't jump into reforms or to change things or to judge other people until you understand why things are the way they are in the first place Uh, generations before were not bumbling fools Uh, i would argue that in many respects they're probably more intelligent than we are um but things change times change people change situations change so we have to adapt um but it does bring to mind um you know those who don't remember the past are doomed to repeat it i think that's uh, in line with chesterton spence um i think you know it's it's the whole idea of uh, idealism hitting reality um sure idealism has its place but reality pragmatism huh uh, tempers
1: that idealism. Um, so it's not that,
0: uh, we don't want change or reform, but it's to, uh, it's being informed, uh, about, about why things are the way they are originally. It's actually accurately, uh, accurately assessing, consequences its uh, perception before judgment and it, and you could argue that uh, it's pragmatism in its highest form in its most noble form because pragmatism is what it pragmatism
1: is. I know we define it generally as what works, but it is validating a philosophy or
0: um, a concept or a model in terms of its success as a practical application. So you know we can have all these dreams, all these white horses, as Tori Amos says. Um, And we need those, but not all all of them are practically applicable. Not all of them would be successful in a real world setting, right? That's what the pragmatists do. The pragmatists filter through those um, ideals and uh, help find the ones that will make sense. And, and could be successful. At least in my view, that's the way I look at. Pragmatists do another thing too, and I think the uh, the type grid is laid out perfectly to illustrate this. Because if you think of the type grid, and the uh, you know on the uh, on the far left hand column, you have the guardians, right? The traditionalists. We're going to call them the reactionaries. Hmm. And then on the far right column, we have the idealists that we've already been talking about, the revolutionaries. And yet in the middle, between those two columns, we have the pragmatists. The
1: pragmatists not only temper the, uh, the idealists, but they also goad the, uh, the guardians. The revolution.
0: I'm sorry, the reactionaries who are um, uh, uh,
1: who view change as anathema. Hmm. So, uh, but we need to
0: change. We have to change in order to thrive as a as as a race, in order to survive as a race. We have to change and adapt. And so the pragmatists fill in and
1: move and moderate um the extremes of re- being reactionary and being revolutionary so uh so yeah change change things are going to change fast we're seeing that now and uh, are you ready for that change be part of the change. And if you are part of the change,
0: be responsible and be uh, knowledgeable and understand how we got to where we are now before we go ripping apart our institutions
1: and uh, those very things that bring stability to our society. Uh, Gosh. A little heavy today, maybe. Uh, coffee house is supposed to be light, anyway. Maybe next time we'll get to a quora uh, comment or question that I want to answer. Anyway, appreciate y'all. Bye. You stole.